two of our Zen series. In this one, Mike and I are going to be talking to Dorothy about her mind-opening story from her birthplace in Germany to being ordained as a Zen monk in Japan. The big question is, why? Enjoy and roll the music. as we discover new foods, ideas, and places. In this episode, we have Dorothy, who runs a Zen retreat center at Suzuka, or at least it's called Suzuka. I believe it's in Nagano Suzuka. It's Suzuka, because there is Suzuka. a place that called Suzuka, and that's a very different region oh, really? in Japan. So careful, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to send everyone the wrong way. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so just just so, and so this 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 one is uh is is in Nagano Prefecture. Yes. Um, which I remember to be the Japan Alps. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And it's, um, it's where I was uh, uh a few weeks ago in, during Golden yes. Week. It's only yes, been about right. three weeks yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I think in in the chronology the last podcast will be will be that one. <laughs> so it works so, yes. out, it works out really really well. So Mike, do you want to explain? how you met Dorothy and and why we're all together on this podcast today. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I I was uh, very interested in uh, trying to uh, find a, um, an, a Zen experience in Japan. So I I was looking uh, online, essentially. And I especially mm. I wanted to have a, a, a more Gai Kokujin international friendly one. Um, mm. Because I... I Obviously, my Japanese is not perfect just yet, but uh, mm-hmm. and then yeah, and then uh, that's how I found Dorothy, and it was uh, an amazing experience. It was okay. really great. Okay, and so Dorothy, what did you um, make of Mike? Did he pass the test or what? Did he pass the test? <laughs> could, I, could I be? Do you think I, I would make it as a monk? Or a, a Buddhist monk. <laughs> well, you know, my my Zen retreats are not um, for the hardcore people I, because I think that it, that would limit it very much. So, my focus on a Zen retreat is on how to put the teachings of Zen into practice in um, daily life, and it's also not so much about the. Um, the learning and the studies that is included, but it's more about how to uh, use the teachings and um, not just have it in your head, you know, like studies okay. and so on. Yeah. We did we did meditate a lot more. Well, I did meditate a lot more than I've ever done. I think every evening it was a one hour, wasn't it? And then in the morning, well, half an hour. Yes, that's that's the meditation itself. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, Zen cannot be thought without the sitting meditation called Zazen. And we did mm. actually, well, we did the walking meditation outside in the morning and then one session of um, sitting meditation after that and two sitting uh, sessions in the evening so mornings and evenings uh, were bracketed by the meditation and during the day it was more about practical how well we, we talked about it and we 
well, yeah, we did some creative stuff and yeah, just put it into practice. Mm. That's what I find very important. Mm. It's, it's well, really interesting. Sorry, Mike, did I? But did I... no, no, just quick, very quickly. I mean, I mm. like I said before, I, I had never meditated that long before, but I found it so easy to meditate. Okay, so in the evening we had two sessions of half an yes. hour. So, but it it was you know just like a short, like uh, open your eyes and then and then break and then well not really a break and then just back into meditation so it was almost like an hour basically but yes. it was i found it so easy to do it and i guess it's mm -hmm. just purely the setting um because mm -hmm. you know here it feels longer i feel you uh -huh. know, I'll, I'll do it here for 20 minutes mm -hmm. and i, I mm -hmm. notice the time passing mm -hmm. whereas when we were mm -hmm. doing it back at the um at the retreat mm -hmm. um it just it went by much quickly much more quicker yeah one reason is also that um if you are in a group you are supported by the energy of the group but if you do it on your mm. own it's mm. much harder yeah definitely so that it feels longer when you are on your own i think that's quite natural yeah it did i did feel that actually yes so i'm exploding with questions right now as somebody on the outside of this experience um mm. and, and and this and hearing about it one, uh, I, have, I have three big questions. Um, maybe I just list them out now and we can answer them in any order. Yes. The first one is, you guys seem to meditate it a lot. Um, and yet, Dorothy, you, 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 you mentioned at the beginning that this is not for the hardcore people. So what does a hardcore <laughs> retreat look like? Um, and what, what makes it hardcore? And, and then after that, of course, we mentioned Zen a whole bunch of times, but mm. what really is Zen? And maybe that's too mm. much of a wide question. You let me know. And 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 then why such a focus on meditation? Um, mm. And yeah, why such a focus on meditation? Uh, those, those are my three big questions. So okay, okay, yeah. okay. Let's let's okay. sort through that. Well, <laughs> yeah. first of all, cool. the hardcore part is is easy to um, answer because the hardcore core would be if you get up at three o'clock in the morning and then meditate almost ah, the okay. whole day and and uh, you know they have these kind of hardcore practice, of course, in the monastery. And um, when I went there, that was really really hard, physically, mentally, mm. whatever, in every way. It was it was um, hard and it ha it has a meaning that it's hard because um, you have to get out of your comfort zone if you want to advance on your path in mm -hmm. to some extent but I mean everybody who has a normal life and doesn't live in a monastery he cannot do the same schedule obviously but to some extent you have to uh, get out of your comfort zone so we got up um, which is really very friendly i think we got up at six that is that is rather mm -hmm. late but for normal people mm -hmm. i mean getting up at six in the morning is already a little bit difficult right <laughs> and we so. only did meditation <laughs> in the mornings and in the evenings which is um for a retreat not very much actually but um it's it's also still far from hardcore so um okay. mm, I see. it's it's just just i i feel about as much as um you can do to get in a different frame of mind and that is important so race um, hardcore and at the monastery what time was uh what, what time were you waking up every morning in the yeah. monastery 
Well, it yeah. depends on the season, but on the hardest oh, wow. um, one, which is in winter when it's most cold, you wake up at about 2.30 and you start meditation right away. And you medi you have meditation sessions until 7 and then you have breakfast and you have some um, work uh, in the gardens or whatever is necessary, cleaning and so on in the mornings. And then there's a it's not a lecture but it's also it's a talk by the by the roshi who is the priest who trains the monks he's called a roshi and mm. those kind of talks are about one hour and a half to two hours and you have to sit in zazen which is very painful if you are not used to it so um that was hard and then after lunch, you have um, you start right away with meditation, one period, and then another little bit of work time, and then from about four um, in the afternoon or four fifteen, you meditate until close to midnight, and um, then you can calculate you have about two two and a half hours of sleep. So. I mean, I mean, of course, you don't have. Um, well, I think, sheeted... uh, is, sorry, I mean, I'm just wondering, is, is, there, is everyone meditating in the day or are these monks just like asleep? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, of course, you like fall off. Yes, definitely, definitely you fall asleep during the meditation periods, of mm -hmm. course. But and especially you fall, you fall sort of um, you get drowsy and fall asleep during the talk of the Roshi, because I mean, you don't <laughs> understand much of his talk anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's not because of a Japanese problem, but because of the contents. So, mm -hmm. yeah, but I mean, you are so much because you you still do a lot of meditation. You are so much in a sort of tension that you don't really sleep like you sleep at home. Okay. And and even though it's very cold, like I mean, the windows are open and that's that's freezing wow. temperatures. And when it snows, it snows inside, you know. So wow. um, I mean, I never caught a cold, even though I was cold to my bones. You know, I never caught a cold during those meditation days. It's it's seven days and the day before and the day after, so close to nine days. So, but I never caught a cold. So because you are wow. in a certain yeah tension and and yeah a certain frame of mind and you're yeah and all the tiredness comes when when you come home but not doing not so much doing it yeah but i mean we don't want to talk about the hardcore stuff because you don't need to do you you cannot do the hard so hard core stuff when you are okay. not in the monastery so but yeah i think would would, would would i be right in kind of seeing that there's there's an insight there which is because mm. you, you mentioned a number of times um to get in a different state of mind you mentioned mm. that you didn't catch a cold there, there was something mm. about being in that state that mm. um was different and yes I, I'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of now very very curious about what is that state is it something that you're aiming for or um, you cannot aim for that because it happens anyway. I mean, you are so much under tension because, I mean, I have, mm -hmm. first of all, I have to, to mention that I'm talking about the Rinzai training okay. monastery. Um, and then to, to um, just go back a little bit, there are two big Zen schools in Japan. Actually, okay. there's a third one, but that's that's hardly... 
uh, that's so small that you can say there are two big ones. The one is called Soto Zen. Mm. It was founded by Dogen, um, who founded the famous Eheiji Temple in Fukui. And then mm. there is the Rinzai um, um, Zen, which is very different from the Soto in the way of the training. Both are Zen mm. sects and both do the same sutra chanting and um, um, the teaching is um, from the same source and so on but the history is different so there are different zen masters and um, the huge difference in training is that in soto zen you focus on on the meditation on the sitting pure sitting mm -hmm. only sitting you focus on the sitting oh, wow. while in in Rinzai Zen, you get a so-called koan that is a um, kind of question that cannot okay. be answered with um, your rational mind. So you can you cannot solve the question by thinking about it. Oh, and wow. that's yeah. why it is so important that you get into this really tension and and um, yeah, uh, it, the 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 point is to get out of your head that you don't mm. think so much because you can't find an answer to a koan while with thinking which you do of course but you have to hit the wall and um, mm. then comes the breakthrough um, wow. to explain that mechanism a little bit it's like um, when you try to remember someone's name that you have forgotten, you you rack your brain and you just can't mm -hmm. remember. My goodness, I what's that guy's name? So you think and you think and you think, and eventually you give up. And at a time when you don't need it anymore, then it pops in your head, right? <laughs> I think everybody had that kind of experience already, yeah. and and that is mm. close to that experience of solving or finding an answer to a koan. You do a lot of hard work, um, like in the garden or whatever. I mean, physical work in the monastery is also very hard. And when mm -hmm. you are tired and you can't really think, you know, and exhausted and everything, and in this kind of tension, then you, you don't think with your logical mind so much as in ordinary life. And then suddenly, you know, an answer might pop up. So mm. that's that's also one purpose to get out of your intellectual mind. And so I think uh, one yeah. one of the examples of a koan you you gave before was uh, yeah was, uh, someone clap with one hand and uh, mm. yeah if you clap well, the the question is what's the sound of um, one ah. hand while you know you clap two hands you have a sound obviously but when when you are told bring me the sound of one hand you know it's it's not about the sound obviously <laughs> so <laughs> so um i mean you cannot yeah. think about that kind of question uh. so, so what's what's so 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 okay so i'm as what i'm following is that the idea of zen whether that be sitting or through certain kinds of questions is to or, or through your daily practices mm. is to kind of almost shake you up a little bit is is to get you out of your day-to-day -day kind of mm. patterns that you're so used yeah. to mm. thinking through mm. and then when mm. you break through that suddenly the world opens up in in a different way that you might not mm. expect um is that is 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 there something 
to that experience that's kind of um maybe i'm thinking about this wrong like is it is it something that's unique to every person when they end up in that state or is or is it something um well we have to for? we have to differentiate a little bit i mean this kind of experience and i mean there's a lot of core of um talk about you know enlightenment and all that stuff mm -hmm. in the literature and so on so this kind of experience would relate to something like that but that's actually not something to focus on and okay. this kind of um experiences that you or life that you experience in the monastery that's not so very much um um helpful for for you know the everyday person who cannot go to the monastery right mm -hmm. so my focus on the on the zen retreats um since obviously i'm not a zen mm -hmm. master or roshi or anything i i cannot hand out any kind of questions like that so we cannot talk about anything um mm -hmm. we, we don't have anything like that in the retreat so my focus is on the practical teachings of zen and i have to say you asked what is zen so to answer that in a very short way is um zen is not a religion then is a way of living mm. and that's what i want to teach what does teach what does zen teach us about how to conduct our daily life that's what i'm focusing on and um that's what i find is very helpful for anybody and if you still want to um go more on that spiritual path of zen then maybe it's a good idea to join one of those meditation mm. retreats in a monastery but it's not so easy to find a good one and and especially if you don't speak okay. the language and i would actually not recommend it so much in japan but rather do that abroad or in america yes somewhere. yes the retreats um there, there. I mean, there. I think, I think yeah. that's what I touched upon earlier. You know, like how mm. everything, mm. the meditations, uh, things that I would have found very difficult beforehand, okay. seemed much easier when you're there. It's, it's, it's rather than it being a, um, a learning experience in your mind. It's something. I think it's more of a, just an experience in which you just eventually feel it. You know, mm. and it just it just becomes easier and it becomes part mm -hmm. of uh, a part of something that you you start to do in every action that you do throughout mm. the day in, as well interesting so i guess this question goes out to both of you um is that okay so so if zen is a way of life mm. then what is it that that defines our, what what is it that we're taking into our day-to-day -day life because from what i hear um there's a lot of meditation and that's not something that you would do minute to minute in your mm. life well so, you know meditation is not only um sitting on the cushion and and close your eyes or don't close them <clears> whatever <throat> and and be silent i mean that's that's of course a formal meditation but meditation has to has to extend 24 hours or maybe not when you sleep but i mean for the rest of the day meaning mm. if uh, your meditation does not um reflect on your way of life then it's just i mean sitting on the cushion and nothing more you know mm -hmm. if if it it doesn't um have influence on how you conduct the rest of the the time that you are not on the cushion then mm -hmm. i mean why meditate really <laughs> mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. what's 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 the what's 
what's generally people's experience i guess when when they meditate a lot um what is the change maybe mike you could you can you can also answer this because you, mm. you we went to the retreat but what is the change that you experience in your life once you've once you've practiced meditation mm. um what i mean what is the transition well mm. i mean it's uh that's the thing like when you i remember also dorothy mentioned it when we i think it was the last day it's like you know you, you've you've done the retreat but really the hard part stuff now <laughs> is if you can then yeah. <laughs> i think like really hit the nail on the head there's like if you can then continue it from mm. that that is is the whole point of it you know and it's hard to you know mm. it's, you can say this is this is what the uh mm. um this is what mm. how what my experience is now after it but mm. it's all curious. about maintaining it i would say but, I mean, yeah but i mean you don't have to you you, you cannot limit yeah. that uh, to maintaining the sitting practice because i mean mm -hmm. the sitting maintaining the, the sitting practice is of course important and nice and everything but you have to also maintain what you learned in the rest of the time that's what i mean i mean yeah yeah we we talked uh, we talked about you know what does it mean way yeah. of life of zen and so on but i mean if you focus on that during the retreat which is of course good mm. that's nice i mean i think we learned one very simple thing to put the shoes nicely in the entrance so look at mm. your shoes right now when nobody when nobody sees you <laughs> how are they see <laughs> that's what no, i no, mean no, no. you know that's that's what i mean exactly so i mean if it yeah. if it doesn't reflect on the rest you know of your time then i mean yeah. yeah you can have nice meditation practice which is of course not in vain and it's important everything but there's more mm. to it no no of course of course i mean uh, like yeah. just to go back to your question as well i mean it's mm. hard to like say to isolate that what that thing is mm. you know okay. i can't i can't really tell you what that no. is but mm. it's it's um yeah, it's just it's just an aspect of your everyday life. And I would say that, you know, I have taken it on board as well. And while I was there, you know, you have your own little insights and um, for lack of a better word, just like some epiphanies or something that you may have whilst meditating. Or um, um, I think uh, we had one uh, task where we had to uh, uh, think about what was what word what we thought about was it discipline? Oh, sorry. Um, commitment commitment. Uh, commitment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and my and my one yeah. i think i i eventually came up as uh yeah uh discipline that was that was my takeaway from it i know it's it's yeah. more or less like the same hey, word discipline. but it was it was it was true to me at the time because i i can be a, a little bit lazy sometimes so, um <laughs> <laughs> so what i'm getting from this now is that there's a bunch of things that come together in this meditation practice and in, the, in this kind of retreat it, it there's one part of it which is as as you as you mentioned like this epiphany aspect but that's mm. not necessarily for the moment to moment for the day to day it mm. could be maintaining a practice so that's commitment it could be um again maintaining a practice and therefore the discipline aspect which then mm. transfers throughout your day and so is, so is this kind of what what we're seeing this kind of is that the kind of thing that spills over into your life um, yeah, into, oh, yeah. Uh, yes, part of it, uh, of course, definitely, uh, that all comes into play. And um, what the meditation will um, um, help is getting rid of your concepts. 
you know mm. we all have a lot of concepts in our mind and and in our thinking you know how we want things to be and how we see stuff which are not necessarily uh, true reality right so meditation uh, makes you more aware and now we come to a, the mindfulness aspect of course and i i have to say immediately that my preference is mm. um the word awareness and not mindfulness okay. i mean mindfulness is important but there as i see it there's a difference between mindfulness and awareness and that is you can do something mindfully in concentrating in what you are doing you are in the present moment and you mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a matter of concentration and and being with what you are doing while mm -hmm. awareness it's more you have this all around view you know you see you are aware of what's going on left and right and not only in front of you so mm -hmm. awareness is more um including than mindfulness and this kind of awareness um is trained and mindfulness of course also but um this kind of awareness is important to catch what's going on around you while mind mindfulness you are focused on on what you are doing and and yeah you might also catch what's going on but i think awareness would describe that better that if, okay. if there is something like um, someone needs some help or there is something something fell down and you put it up on the table or you know this kind of small things mm -hmm. and if you are aware of what's going on then yeah you can react to it in the appropriate way interesting and and so so i've always associated this um concept with like an internal your internal mm. space you know mm. like like meditation brings you to a place where you're more aware of you maybe your own emotions you can catch yourself getting angry right before you've actually right. got angry yes. and therefore yes. you don't make the yes. mistake of shouting at somebody yes. because you've understood yes. like this is yes. what yes. i want to be doing um but i never really associated with so much the external like what you're mentioning mm. like kind of like this awareness mm. of 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 things that are happening in your environment and i guess mm. that's that's also yeah, I guess you're more yes. relaxed and you're more aware. Exactly. Oh, very yes, I mean, it starts, it starts with yourself. So I mean, if you start meditating, what will happen is that a lot of stuff comes up. And usually, I mean, from your subconscious or from your inside, you know, a lot of stuff comes up in your mind. And um, usually it's not not necessarily the nice stuff. I mean, a lot of <laughs> a lot of negative and and, you know, yeah anxiety or any any kind of those kind of Very emotions or thoughts and which is a good thing because once it comes up you can deal with it while i mean if it's still inside you you know you know there is something but you cannot really put a finger on it while when it comes up you can start dealing with it and you can start okay. to understand it and yeah practice on it and it will come yeah. back as long as it isn't solved yeah so and so that's a practice yeah i guess if, if, if you're in control of yourself like that you can almost you're more in control of the reaction the world's going to have to you as well because yes if you just start screaming and shouting you don't you don't know what, right that's going to come back right right, right. <laughs> end up in a so the yes so the more you are aware of yourself and understand yourself 
um, mm. the more you don't need to think about yourself anymore. Oh. We, we had, you know, we had oh. that, mm. Michael, you remember, we had that saying from Dogen, you know, to study the uh, Buddha way is to study the self and to study oh, yeah. the self is to forget the self and to forget mm. the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 things, which is everything. Yeah, we had oh. that one, right? Yeah. So, that and then... The 10,000 yeah, things, so, is that Zen or is that... Um, Taoism. No, that is that is Dogen, Golden, oh, the really? founder of the Soto school, wow. where he probably, I mean, he went to China, so he definitely was uh, influenced by Taoism and so on. But I mean, that's that's, that's his very very famous saying, um, and um, <laughs> it's I mean, blown you, my mind. Mm. What? That's for sure. It blew my mind. That's for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's it's very it's very interesting Whoa. in the sense that um, yeah, to study the Buddha's way is, I mean, to study yourself, which I find very interesting. I mean, you don't study the Buddha's sutras uh, if you want to study the Buddha way, but you study yourself. You learn about mm. yourself to get you know yourself, and the more you know mm. yourself, you can forget about yourself. Because it's mm. the focus changes. I mean, if you understand yourself, the focus obviously goes outside, you know. Mm. Uh, and uh. yeah, I mean, it's just making me it's making my head turn <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> uh, so, so, so then to, to, to get to know yourself, yeah, right, what does so I think there's, there's those two parts to get to know yourself and then you can forget about yourself, um, yes. I guess I have two questions. The process of getting to know yourself, what does that look like? Is it necessarily a meditative thing and becoming more aware or, or is it exper sorry, Mike, experimenting yeah. with yourself and maybe traveling? Uh, it can be anything? anything. It can be meditation. It can be therapy. It can be reading books and, and have an, oh, Bungee wow, jumping? yeah, that's true. I mean, it can be really anything. And of course, I mean, as I said, in meditation, this stuff just comes <laughs> up, you know. So, Could it be uh, skydiving? Could it be adrenaline rush type type of things as well? I haven't tried be... that. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be okay. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, we but... we yeah, go on. We Sorry. we sat around the fire for like uh for like an hour, like discussing just this uh, exact phrase as well. And you know, everyone everyone had their own like um interpretations of it as well. So mm. I mean, what I'm trying to get to a little bit is this kind of like notion that people have of well. The, before I get to the second half, which is the significance of forgetting yourself. But mm. but first, it's this notion that in Buddhism, it's all about becoming calm and almost numb no, to your environment. No, 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 no. That's but not Getting true. to know That's yourself could true. be quite a no. lively activity, right? I mean, not every... Could become every a sutra. Yeah, come on, not every experience <laughs> experience Buddhist is such a calm person. I mean, even the Dalai Lama can can get really mad or or I mean, yeah, no, it's it the difference is that those really experienced um, um meditators or Buddhists or whatever, the difference is that they get over their anger or whatever. They they get angry, okay. but I mean it's gone. 
and and okay. while we we poor people I and mean, we we carry it around for i don't know how long time how long a time yeah. and we can we cannot really let go of it and that's the big mm. difference but don't expect that you you will be as calm as i don't know what but that's that's just also not the point okay uh, interesting uh, i mean you you of course you get more relaxed and more settled down and everything but that doesn't mean that you cannot get mad or, or, or angry or anything i mean mm. which is sometimes very healthy and and necessary it's just mm. how you deal with that anger you know interesting but i think and sadness I think, you know, and all that, these things i guess that's also like part of the forgetting yourself as well i think because a lot of all the things that make people angry and upset are these kind of like beliefs and notions that they have inbuilt or ingrained in themselves over years and years and years mm. and if someone you know challenges that this is why people mm. argue all the time right just because even even if you know you're wrong you argue just for the sake of not being being wrong or whatever right mm. so to to i think that's where it's the, good to know this, mike hey <laughs> well, no, no, no. this is this is this is, this is I, i'm not like that obviously i'll admit happily when i'm wrong <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um you know that's uh like losing uh these concepts or forgetting about these concepts through meditation yes is, yes is the way that you can easily let go i would i would imagine um, that's my take on it, at least anyway is that uh, then the process of realizing yourself then or getting to know yourself because once you let go of these concepts you can exactly that's i mean that's yeah but don't expect yeah. that that happens overnight i mean that's a that's okay. a lifelong training you know so mm. i mean training um and and practice does not finish ever so it, it just gets easier and and um yeah at the beginning it's 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 hard and then it 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 gradually gets easier but it never and it also should never end uh, so mm. yeah i mean perhaps this is a naive question it almost definitely is but i'm, I'm just wondering now like if, if, if there's so much effort being put in to get to know yourself mm. then why is the next phase to forget yourself um because you can if you know yourself you also understand other people you know if you can mm. understand yourself i mean if you know i have this kind for example negative um reactions emotions whatsoever if you see those kind of reactions in other people you can understand them you can have empathy mm. and you can um understand where it might come from that they just blow up because i mean maybe they are just only only tired or maybe they have a problem and you don't take it personally anymore That's, you are not okay. hurt mm. by it anymore you, because okay. you you have an understanding for other people so it's so, so is, is is that what was kind of meant by forget yourself is this kind of uh, element of of Oh, or more, or, yeah, more universal empathy but also less of an ego that would react to yeah. other, other things yeah you, you don't know? get in your own way in in your own mm. way anymore you know you have a, a direct line to to whatever situation or person nothing is in the way there no concept no preconception no prejudice no whatever you know you just you have a direct focus and line to whatever is in front of you <clears throat> and so would this also mark a difference maybe this is yeah would this also mark a difference between zen and other schools of buddhism because from everything that we've spoken about mm. it always seems to go back to a practical point yeah. where, rather than a mystical point necessarily yeah yeah i mean 
Yes, I mean, Zen in that sense is very, very practical because you cannot um, transmit the essence of Zen through anything written down or teachings and so on. It's mm. a direct experience. So that is very different from any other of the Buddhist uh, schools. Okay. But um, then, I mean, other That's Buddhist cool, schools don't talk mm. about this kind of enlightenment experience. And um, yeah, I mean... Zen is, mm. is, is in that sense, yeah, it, it's really different, I would say, but maybe I'm not learned enough, <laughs> I don't know. But um, I mean, Seems to me, practical. this kind of practical aspect is what, what I like about it. I mean, uh. is, is, is there an element of uh, this of, of a divine in Zen or God um, or something? Um, no. In that sense, mm. no, but um, it's not um, that there is not any kind of what we would call religious element in Zen. Of course there is. And um, I can maybe explain it. There are two um, very important words um, in Japanese. It, one is called um, jiriki, which is your own strength. And one is called tariki, which is the strength or support from outside. So Zen focuses on um, first the jiriki on your own effort. You have to sow the seeds. You have to start something. You have to go out and you have to sit on your cushion or you have to do something and then you will be supported from from something bigger than us from outside and that is very very oh, wow. true so that is that is like i mean you cannot you cannot put a name on it you cannot call it a buddha mm. or god or whatever the universe but you can name it whatever you like it it's just something something that you cannot logically explain that you can only experience and that is definitely there and mm. this kind of it's like a physical um, reaction i mean if you throw the stone into the water you definitely will see the rings that it makes right mm. so and so everything That's you exciting. do has a reaction mm. yeah mm. and and um, the support yeah it's just there uh but difficult to explain. But I'm sure everybody um, has um, been in this kind of flow when, you know, they started mm. something and then it just, it runs by itself. You know, that's the kind of support I mean. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And it's okay. I mean, that, that, that is very interesting because it's, as you say, something that you have to experience for yourself mm. that mm. almost you can, because it's like mm. when you throw a stone into water, there'll be ripples. And at the same time, it is quite, it seems quite mystical as well, because there is this element of you connecting yeah, to something Yeah, because you, you cannot explain, explain it. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm. And, 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 and so where's, where's the connection then between, because I'm just wondering between this form of Zen Buddhism and Buddhism in general, like, are, where's, where's is, is, it, is it because the words the Buddha are, are, are used to kind of, define certain terms in Zen or, or well I mean every yeah. Buddhist school starts with the teachings of the Buddha of course I mean they okay. all go back to the same source but then through history and uh, through the okay. um, through the masters they 
who transmitted um, the teachings, they got a different twist. You know, first of all, there is the Theravada um, mm. um, school. <clears throat> I'm, you know, the 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 line, the Theravada line, which focuses much more on your own. Um, striving for enlightenment unless the other big school which is called Mahayana which focuses mm. more not only on yourself but also helping everybody who is around you so these big schools or lines is a huge separation of the Buddhist teachings well, and where then, are these uh, ones most prominent are they are they in south well the, Asia, the theravada they... school uh, line is more in southeast asia um, mm. and not so much in in the east asian countries and mahayana is like in china korea japan and of course you find theravada buddhism in in, in the west as well but um, maybe mm. As far as numbers are concerned, I concerned, I would guess that Mahayana like Zen or the, the Tibetan um, uh, teachings are more, um, you find it are more strong in the West. I don't know. But, but anyway, this is yeah. a very different aspect, yeah. a very different yeah, focus. Uh, it's very mm. interesting. The, the element of accessing something that's greater than yourself or transcending yourself mm. in a way. Mm. Um, I, th I think, I think a, a, a very insightful picture of Zen uh, has been painted. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually fascinated me. Um, <clears throat> and, and I, so, did you, so did you get, yeah, go on. did you get three of your burning questions done or, no, no, we haven't even gone. We haven't <laughs> yeah, answered yeah, the other two questions. Yeah? <laughs> I think yeah. we're still the first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, I, we are trying. We are hopping into the second one, which was what is Zen, and and I just mentioned that it is yeah a way of living, and yeah, yeah um, maybe to go back to that question a little bit, it's a, Zen is about getting to know yourself. I mean, really, your real mm. self without all the concepts and without everything that yeah. has been put into yourself by your parents, by school, by the mm. society, by your friends. And, and you know, um, when you go into a monastery, it might happen that the Roshi, you know, the, 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 the head um, priest will tell the monks, uh, kill yourself which means self mm. with a capital letter, which means, I mean, get rid of everything that has been put into yourself that is not your mm. real self. So, mm. um, yeah, and that is, of course, as I said, a lifelong process. Um, so Zen is really, um, yeah, I don't know if you can call it an aim of Zen, but, but it's important to get to know your real so, self that's that's what is really a big focus so this so this has just caught caught my attention now because i thought i thought i'd uh resolved this question um in my mind from from this mm. conversation that you know you you get rid of the concepts of yourself mm. and then you're left mm. with something which mm. allows you to empathize with others more and mm. and, and 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 react less from the sense of your ego but then mm. when you mention that getting rid of the concepts that your parents put in your mind and mm. society put in your mind mm. i do sometimes wonder like isn't often people it's, it's isn't isn't 
ourselves a lot to do with let's say our heritage our our of course things things like that right like yes. without that i don't understand who i who i am anymore um so then mm. so so then if that's also us mm. is it wise to get rid of it and what are we left with what is this real self then well well that the, the to get yeah. rid of it is only the start i mean it's like you can you can think like you empty everything in front of you you really shake it out and then you have to check everything of or everyone mm. every single one of your concept is this me is this what i support i mean i think we talked in the retreat also about um, something like in every culture you have the 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 idea that of that killing is not right right, right. i mean that's just yeah, of course, but then really think about it. Is right. isn't there mm. some instances where killing is is you know justified? Mm. Like, I mean, what would happen if if Putin would be killed now? You know, that might mm. save a lot of lives. And and since I'm German, I have German. I have to say, um, how many lives, thousands of lives, could have been saved if those assassination attempts on Hitler had been successful? You know. Mm. So can you really say that killing is? is bad you know mm -hmm. so that but that that is an individual mm -hmm. um decision you have to make up your mind you have okay. to evaluate it in a specific under the specific circumstances mm -hmm. so you can put it back into your into yourself i mean yeah okay killing is is bad but um i i keep it on the back burner because it might be right on certain circumstances so you check your values and you put back inside yourself what is what you can agree and what you really think yes this is my understanding my value mm. so it comes back mm. to that sense of being quite conscious and aware mm. definitely, definitely of yourself yes um, yes very very interesting mm. there's a couple of things that you mentioned there um, <laughs> one <laughs> straight off the so 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 two 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 things one thing about the killing um and i've always wondered what the buddhist perspective on on even the zen perspective in this case is 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 on killing and especially when it came to killing animals nor to eat them because um that's very common mm. practice in the world and and i think the general perspective is, is that mm. buddhist monks don't mm. eat meat yes yes but that's not necessarily the case so, and the other thing is, you mentioned German background, and I and I, and I want to get to your journey um, into into Buddhism and to Japan, especially because I think you mentioned in the pre-conversation that that you, you've actually been baptized as well. So, mm -hmm. um, so I think I think first first the killing and and, and the vegetarianism, and then we'll go into the next. <laughs> <time>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, you said ask yeah, me questions. Uh, yeah, two really. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, with the, with I did, the I did give course. Dorothy a warning actually that Chester uh, <laughs> okay. is incredibly inquisitive. <laughs> my yeah, well, before. anyway, yeah, the killing, <laughs> the killing is, yeah, of course, I mean that's one of the major precepts in Buddhism in any kind of Buddhist school that um, um, killing is, uh, yeah, you should avoid killing definitely. But as I said, there might be circumstances when you have to think about that value and um, you, I mean you cannot also um, um, 
no, how to say, I mean, if you walk outside, I'm sure you will be killing an ant or whatever. I mean, so it just happens, but, but then mm -hmm. you have to be mindful and, and yeah, you, you might, you might chant a sutra for the, the animals you have killed or whatever. But, um, Another thing is that, um, for example, the Buddha himself, um, uh, even though one of his precepts was uh, of not killing and not eating meat, I mean, he accepted um, um, meat dishes if they were offered to him on his travels through um, his mm. northern India, you know, when he mm -hmm. was preaching and teaching and so on. He was invited to the houses of, of, of the people and, and if they would offer him a meat dish he would eat mm -hmm. it because he would honor the the friendship and and you know the feelings with which it was prepared so it's always mm -hmm. how to how you deal with it and and i i would also not categorically say i i don't eat meat if someone invites me and and it has been prepared and and it ha it cannot be um changed to anything or it would make trouble for the um household mm -hmm. where i'm mm -hmm. invited then of course i would eat it you know so it's mm -hmm. always how you deal about how you deal with something uh, is, it's is not it, about it, principles, really. It's not about principles. It's mm. about the situation and how much are you aware of the situation? Why is something is like this and so on? Uh, are these kind of conversations that people mm. that Buddhists have, like in the monastery, or or are these kind of debates that people have, like about death and killing? Or is mm. it? Is well, really there isn't any discussion much. like that in the monastery because there isn't much talking. And um, okay, yeah. yeah, well, for these kind of talks, you would have to go to the monasteries in the West because that's there is, will be a lot of talks about Buddhist ethics and ethics in general. And I find that very important. But in Japanese mm. monasteries, you don't get that. Oh, wow. Very interesting. Uh, and um, yeah, so I mean, are, are, are there any in that case like vegan monks that wouldn't even because as far as i understand there there is no vegan culture in the world until now really uh well i mean eggs or something um is, is, is um, that the case well, of course, the food in the monastery is all vegetarian, and I don't think they eat any eggs, and and I never had any milk product or so, mm. but I don't know. Um, then again, I mean, when the Buddha, um, he was practicing severe training for six years, you know, mm. until he finally realized that it isn't didn't take him anywhere. And then he went to the river and washed his body. And there was a young woman who saw that he was really malnourished and she brought him milk rice which is, of course, mm -hmm. milk and, you know, so um, in order to get healthy, to continue his training the way he saw um, that was practical for him, he first had to get healthy mm -hmm. again, you know, and mm -hmm. so okay. it's not about the principles. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I don't really... I'm not so much in favor about few people who say I don't eat this and I don't eat that. And I mean, yeah, if it's possible that they can stick to that kind of um, way of life, okay. But I mean, why advertise it? I mean, that's their own decision. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Especially if you, 
if you are a lover of uh, traveling, then you know it can be quite inconvenient for uh, yes. other people if if they yes, have to always right. cater to your your strict right. dietary requirements. I mean, mm. Ch Chetan used to be vegetarian, vegetarian, mm. then vegan, and then I oh my goodness, crazy. yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you thought... will have a hard time when you get here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, well, no, he was he was vegetarian when he came, to Japan, and then and then uh, he went to Kobe, and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> discovered <laughs> Kobe beef. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I think I think I've uh, shared this anecdote on the on the podcast before, but just quickly again, it was it was hilarious because, um, of course, I, I have a Hindi background, and the last thing you should ever do uh, is eat eat beef. Like that's 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 we don't have many taboos, but that's definitely one big one, and uh, you know, sacred mm. animal. And um, so I was vegan, and. I wanted to try this. So I tried Kobe beef in Kobe in Japan, as far away as I thought I could be from anyone Indian as well. So it's kind of like my own little secret thing. And then I walked up the hill. So if, if this isn't like the universe or God or whatever, making a point, you know, <laughs> it's, I don't know what it is because I walked up the hill in Kobe and literally within four or five minutes, I was in a, a Hindu, in an Indian area, in a Hindu temple with writing that came from my part of India. It was Gujarati writing. And I just couldn't believe that, like, if that that was the ultimate guilt trip. <laughs> <Out of nowhere. laughs> you know, and the writing was Gujarati as eat well. Beef. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, as it's long like as you are aware there, of what you are doing, I don't, I don't think you are wrong. Mm. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I made that do. conscious decision. Um, mm. And then I think shortly afterwards, after Japan, mm. I went I went back mm. to veganism for a bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I had my reasons for doing it at the time. Um, so yeah. so yeah, I guess I guess I guess I betrayed Hinduism, but I could still be a Zen. Mm. Uh, I could still, <laughs> Zen, Zen, Zen would <laughs> <said> accept me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's so much more. I mean, you have to be practical, you know, and mm -hmm. yeah. What would what, what you make of it if, if if the reason why you would do something like that is because um, why the reason why you would do something is because of the kind of sensory pleasure in doing it. Um, you're aware that that's why you're doing it. Um, but that's the underlying reason. Yeah, like it I mean, as long I, I, my line is as long as I'm not dependent on on eating okay. meat or on drinking wine or beer or whatever, mm -hmm. I can enjoy it, you know. And mm -hmm. I mean, what's wrong with enjoying something? So, um, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. there's a line, and and if it's not harmful, and yeah. I think this is yeah. really refreshing because you know oftentimes when it comes to schools of thought um there's 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 a barrier set around them mm. and you can be on one side of it or on the other side of it whereas here yeah and that's that's already a problem i think and i mean why i mean you say killing animals but why would it be different from killing a plant i mean i don't like that differentiation either why it is good to 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 cut the plants and the trees and whatever and to put something on your table and and where's the difference to a to a cow or a pig or whatever i mean this mm. is this is really 
yeah i i don't like that and there is and there is uh, evidence uh, that uh, even some plants can feel pain i think exactly. uh, i think i read some some they studies are connected and well. they are they talk to each other and and i mean there's so much that we don't know and what will you do if someone starts saying yeah we shouldn't cut the plants i mean where does that leave us you know <laughs> have to be so James. as long as it's within <laughs> well, some kind yeah. of sustainability and some kind i mean if you do it responsibly like for example the ainu in hokkaido that's the indigenous culture of japan um, they have a very strong connection to the bears and they mm. would always first make an, a ceremony and ask the mountains for permission and do a ceremony for the bears that were they were going to hunt because they were dependent on living on the skin and the meat and whatever the bear would give them so mm. if they do that with that kind respect of respect you know then I don't see the problem, you know. But if you just mm. kill for, to have a three centimeter steak on your Sunday plate, you know, then I think there's the problem. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, always it has to be in relation and it has to be respectful and sustainable. And there are a lot of aspects. If you think about those, then, yeah. Then there's, it, it creates natural kind of limitations. Because like mm. the, the, the conversation about plants and not getting plants and Mike mentioned Jainism I mean I, th I think they they take it as far as practically possible because of course you can't what, what they wouldn't eat are plants that you'd have to dig up off the ground so you'd have to kill them or mm. or, or, or you know so so they they, they might so, so they wouldn't have like onions and garlic for example but there are other root vegetables that you know when it comes well to, I mean know, reserve that discussion for a different <laughs> podcast yeah. no, but just, 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 just to say like i think i think that's the that's the limit because then other people have gone into fruitarianism and then there's breatharianism and i think that's the point at which you start harming yourself and yeah. that's of and breatharianism that what's what, what's breatharianism people who believe that the you, only you only from, need from yeah. the air yeah, and well, then you don't. Yeah, you don't. There can't be very many calories. of those around, though, right? <laughs> yeah, but there are. Yeah, I I heard of someone, a yogi in India, who hasn't eaten and uh, hadn't drank water for so many years. So obviously, the, it is possible. I mean, nobody know really knows the limits of the body and the mind. So it obviously is possible, but uh, also obviously not for everybody. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I certainly. I mean, I I couldn't even do uh, veganism for more than six years so yeah mm. breatharianism not my <laughs> i think i struggle uh, i'll be like yeah mm. vaporizing milk solids and trying to mm. inhale them <laughs> or something i'll go get to the... anyway all right back 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 to the point so um this is this is very interesting and so now i'm i'm quite curious about your journey to this philosophy oh, this way okay. of life from Germany. Okay. Well, that that can be a long story and a, a short story. Um, well, um, I think it has to something to do with a spiritual path. So, I mean, if you think in general, people um, in the Middle Ages, they didn't really well, for example, they they were not used to take a bath, right? Because they had they had um, there there was not a bath in everybody's house, at least not in in Europe. And so mm. then, um, but when it was actually the seen times as unholy, wasn't it? I think hmm? as well, it was actually seen as something not to do. 
Um, yes, yes, it wasn't. Uh, it was seen as not healthy. You know, mm. you you could harm yourself with too much mm. cleanliness, where whatever. And then, where well, the the way of thinking changed, so people started taking a bath. And the next step was that people started to care about like their dental hygiene, which was also not on the agenda at the beginning. And then it it uh, progressed to fitness, so everybody started to to um, do some fitness programs and the next was the mental um, aspect so that's where where we are quite close to that one to the um, well mindfulness thing that is I think more for your mental health than for your spiritual health which is mm. the next step I would think so um, yeah the spiritual health I think this is a, a step where that's a direction where we are heading for Nice. sooner rather than later and um myself i got interested in um well, uh, in chinese uh, philosophy because i don't know I, I i had a question when i was 16 17 or so what is the soul and mm -hmm. i started with reading the western philosophers like like the greeks and the romans and whatever and then the egyptians they have a concept of soul and eventually uh, well i i found out that everybody where well, one philosopher said this and the next one in the history said something completely different and, and the next one was all, already different. So there was no explanation uh, and at least not anything that I could understand mm. uh, that made sense of, well, made a sense, sensitive answer for me. Um, and of course, I was born in a Christian culture and Christianity also was no answer because um, as I was taught, um, it was that you have to believe in Jesus or in, in God and then you will then you, you can go to heaven eventually. So that was a very childish and very primitive way of teaching Christianity, but that's just what we learned. Mm. So anyway, I didn't understand what the concept of believing means. I didn't know how to do that. I, I, I just couldn't. I mean, how can you believe in resurrection and, and something like that? It, it didn't make sense. So that was also no answer. And finally, yeah, well, I first got to the Chinese philosophers like the Tao Te King. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really, that was, that blew my mind because it was talking about the way. What is the way? Why are we here? What do we have to do? Where? I mean, after being born into the world, what's our way? And that was very, very fascinating. Um, that concept that mm. we have to do something to accomplish our way. Um, and then, yeah, um, yeah, I, I didn't have any idea about Zen at the beginning. Mm. And then, well, since I, um, the, those kind of Asian thinking was really fascinating, I wanted to st study Chinese philosophy at university, but my parents said, well, you can never make a living with that, so forget it. So, um, well, I went, I went one year to the Philippines. I wanted to go to a more... Um, East Asian country, but that was not possible. But well, the Philippines is 
little bit Asian, but it's also very influenced from the Spanish culture. So mm. it was a little bit mm. in the in the middle of both. Yeah. Um, and then, well, it, it was a so-called developing country. So while being there, I thought, well, okay, if I cannot study Chinese, then I will do social work to go to a developing country and, and do something practical there. So I started social work when I came back from there. And unfortunately, they changed the rules um, for working in a developing country that you needed to have a practical skill like like carpentry or building walls or architecture or whatever, any kind of practical mm -hmm. skill to go. And I didn't have that. Uh, well, so I was, um, I, I had started with those social work studies and I just said, okay, I finished that. But when I was finished, I didn't want to do become a social worker in Germany. And I said, well, now, okay, Chinese, no, well, then I study Japanese. <laughs> so I changed <laughs> Japanese and um, started Japanese studies at university. Mm, and then I had to go to Japan to study the language. And mm. during my one year in Japan, I was introduced or someone told me, a friend of mine asked me, you want to meet a Japanese Zen priest? And I thought, well, why not? That sounds interesting. So I met this Japanese priest who had just finished his training in the monastery. And mm. well, eventually that was the guy who ended up as being my becoming my husband. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, well, I and since he was a Zen priest, of course I got interested in Zen. I really didn't know much about it before that. <laughs> and and there was no Zen in Germany at that time. That was the beginning of the 80s. So mm. no Zen on um, wow. And then I started to join meditation groups in, in Tokyo and um, joined a few of those, yeah, you might call it retreats, but it, it was completely different what what I'm doing now. Um, yeah, and it, it was sort of yeah, interesting. But when I went back to Germany, I mean, forget it. I, I tried to sit on my cushion on my own, but that lasted maybe one month and, and then it was gone. And since there wasn't anything else, I just forgot about the whole Zen thing. And I didn't, well, I decided to, to get together with this Zen monk, but I didn't want to, uh, I didn't decide that because he was a monk or uh, later a priest, but because I liked the guy. So um, mm. that is, I'm always asked, what, a Zen monk and a priest? How did you, I mean, <laughs> this was not the question, really. The, guys was, the guy was nice, so <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> um, but then, I mean, that that was 80s that was pre-internet pre-fax and pre-telephoning whatever so we mm. just wrote letters for two years until i had finished oh, wow. my studies and um during those two years uh i had many many times when i thought no i don't want to go to japan i don't want to go to Japan. Mm. I mean, I like the guy and so on, but I don't want to live in Japan. So, and every time when that question came up, there was that voice that said, yeah, but if you don't go to Japan, you will miss out on your way. So we were mm. back to this Tao, Tao the King thing. Mm. 
about the way and but i didn't know what that means you know i i had no idea what my way was so yeah and okay then yeah okay i will go and then next next again no i don't go so it was really really hard mm -hmm. and eventually i only decided because of that voice i didn't have any answer until i finally got to japan and even when i came to japan that was in 82 it took another I don't know. I, I started with the Horakuan with the Zen retreat center in 2004, and the retreats only started, I think, 2010 or, or maybe even later, yeah, something like that. So it took another 20 some years until I could say, well, probably this is the way I have to follow. So even wow. though there was always this longing for a way for my spiritual path, I didn't have an answer, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was really, really difficult. But there was always something that was pulling me. And um, that's also one reason why I focus in the Zen retreats on the practical aspect, because not everybody has this kind of spiritual longing to do something. Mm -hmm. So... The Zen, um, Zen uh, is, of course, a spiritual path as much as it's practical. So I like Zen because it has these both aspects. It can be of a lot of help if you only um, try to um, put the teachings into practice in everyday life. But at the same time, it can be also lead you on a spiritual path and for me that was very important that's super it's, interesting it's, yeah it seems like at a very young age you're already quite influenced by you know like uh philosophy and trying to figure yeah. out yeah well it was in waves i mean when i came to japan and had to to get used to living here and to teaching and to to raising two children i mean you obviously you obviously cannot talk about and think about the spiritual path all the time but it got mm. intensified once the children were you know maybe middle school or something like that when they didn't need me so much anymore um, mm. Then, then it came back, and it came back much stronger. And then, yeah, I mean, there there came also other influences from outside that that, that kept on pushing me and pulling me. So it was not always a rational decision, you know. Even the mm. Zen center itself, um, the the retreat center itself, wasn't a uh, logical decision. I it grew of mm. what happened around me, and and it grew out of following my intuition, so to say. Mm. Mm. It was not planned. Mm. Um, so it it's amazing that you talk about. So so is is the way mm. links to intuition. Would you say? Um, um, to your own intuition. Well, yeah. intuition leads you on your way. I would say, mm -hmm. if you really um, learn to to listen to your intuition, it's the best teacher you can get. Wow. Mm -hmm. And what? So, so there, there was a point in which you didn't want to. Um, your intuition said, "Go, go to Japan, and mm -hmm. go live there and do this thing." But at the same time, you you didn't actually want to live there. What was it about Japan that made you not want to live well <laughs> i mean at the beginning what would i do in japan and and 
I mean, I didn't know anybody apart from my husband or future mm -hmm. husband. And I mean, yeah, I, I, it's, I like Japan, but it, it was just not, yeah, I couldn't imagine to stay there. I mean, For imagine sure. you would really be out of the world nowadays. I mean, mm. with Skype and, and Zoom and whatever you have and, and, and line, you can talk to mm. anybody anywhere, but at yeah, that true. time, I mean, really, you were out of the world for uh, the beginning. <laughs> you know, I, I always yeah. kept enough money to pay my return flight. I kept that <laughs> always different because, I mean, we didn't have any money, but I made always sure that I have enough money to go back, <laughs> to pay the yeah. flight to go back to Germany. And which part of this journey um, did you decide to get baptized? into buddhism um oh wow that's another really long story <laughs> well, <that's... laughs> well you know i started i started um with going back to the or with, i started going to meditation um sessions in a monastery in tokyo as an outsider which was mm. quite unusual but uh, they allowed me to sit with the monks and it was a soto a Soto monastery, the head temple of the Soto school in Tokyo or in Yokohama, Sojiji it's called, and they allowed me to sit with the monks, which was which was fine at the beginning, but um, as I mentioned before, Soto is only about sitting. You sit, you face mm -hmm. the wall and you sit and you meditate. And to be honest, it was boring. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> no teaching, no nothing. You just sit there and you wait that the pa time passes. I mean, of course, you had times when it was when you felt good after sitting, but where does it get me, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I, that was really difficult difficult for me. Uh, so I thought, well, Rinzai, you have the koan, you have something to do, so to say. Mm, uh, so, um, and another reason was, you know, when you get to know the monks and the life in the monastery, even though you come from outside, you see a lot of the, the well, not so holy aspects in the monastery, mm. which had said, that that time irritated me quite a lot. And then there's a very funny story. Um, a friend, a monk friend of my husband, um, they had trained together in the monastery. He mm. uh, invited me to go to Kenchoji Temple in Kamakura. Mm. And I had never been there and I was still in Yokohama at that time, always going to the Sojiji Monastery. And so I thought, yeah, okay. And and the friend said, I'll introduce you to an interesting priest. That's all I knew. So I went with him and his wife to Kenchoji, beautiful temple, definitely worth going there. And mm. then we we sat in the room and waiting for were waiting for the priest. And when the priest entered the room, it was mm. just like oh my goodness what's this what's this kind of person i mean it was such an aura he said or charisma or whatever he didn't say anything it was just you know the atmosphere changed completely when he entered the room and i was so fascinated and i just sat there and he, my friend and his wife he they knew him very well and so they were talking and and i was just enjoying you know watching them and watching that priest i didn't know who he was you know but it it was just obvious that he was not kind of ordinary 
okay. person in in the temple so so but suddenly my friend said well the reason that we are here today is because <laughs> dorothy has a question and i said oh my goodness i don't have any <laughs> question what's this <laughs> i was really my goodness you know but then i mean it was obvious that you cannot just ask some stupid thing which in yeah. actually i did because what what popped out of my um, <laughs> mouth was um, well why is it that um, the monks when they have been in a training monastery for so many years which is really hard physically mentally whatever is really challenging why is it that when they go back to their own temple it is as if they have never been uh, never left i mean as if it had no influence whatsoever on them uh, and which is Late, only later, I realized that that was a very rude question because <laughs> Kenchoji is a very famous training monastery in the Rinzai school, you know, to and to ask a priest why, why does the, the training not make any <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the monk, you know, that was so. <laughs> but then the, the priest, I mean, he started to laugh and he said, Well, yeah, you hit the nail on the head because oh. um, nowadays the monks in the monasteries um, where 95% they would go there because they have to in order to take over the temples of their parent, of their father, you know, but not out of any kind of spiritual need or spiritual longing mm. or spiritual path. So, and then where the ice was broken and we had a long and very interesting discussion and I started going to his temple for his, uh, to his, to join his meditation group which was in a small temple in the west of Tokyo. So mm. I started going there for a while. Even after I went back to Nangano, I went once a month all the way to Tokyo, came back after midnight, you know, it was really hard. But um, yeah, and then after a while go of going there, I thought, yeah, so, well, I'm joining this group now, but where does mm. that take me? It, it didn't seem to be enough. And then I thought, well, maybe I should do the, I should take the Buddhist vows. So okay. I asked the priest, would he do that for me? And he said, yes, we can do it at my temple. And we set a date and I learned what to do for that ceremony. And I did the ceremony, but... Um, yeah, so what? <laughs> really, yeah. because... Um, you, you had already I also, trained as a monk at this point? Um, no, I, I was just... No, I didn't do anything. I just joined those those meditation groups. That's oh, okay. all I did. Yeah, and, and that's why I felt it's not enough. I mean, there must be more to it, you know? It didn't mm. really bring me any further on on whatever kind of spiritual path there was so um well then i did that ceremony around. and i thought well okay so now you have taken the buddhist vows and you have a nice buddhist name and and so yeah so what it doesn't it didn't make a big difference and i later learned that for for example in the states and i probably maybe also in other places if you want to take the vows in an american monastery you have to study and to prepare for one whole year to to learn about mm. it and to really 
question yourself, is this what I really want and what does it mean to me and all this kind of serious questions which nobody ever asks in Japan. You just have to know how to do the ceremony and then you are done and, and hopefully something will change. Why, But And I find that so ridiculous. Why is that? Um, I don't know. That they don't, they just, I don't just... know. I don't know. I don't know. It's. I think. I think it has something to do with the Japanese culture, also, where you are not really taught anything. Like, for example, when you learn a traditional skill, you are asked as an apprentice to to imitate. Um, um, to, oh, I'm sorry. The 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 takubin, the delivery service coming. I have to get to the entrance. <laughs> sorry for it. No, no, it's good. <laughs> priorities <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is really really fascinating um so, uh, mm. I, I, i still have a couple of questions in my mind and i think probably we should uh wrap it up because mm. it'll be it'll be time but that'll be in an hour and a half yeah um but the question that i have in my mind sorry is, sorry yeah um, no worries sorry dorothy um, we don't want to take up too much of your time as well it's already been an hour and a half but uh So <laughs> I thought one hour and a half was too long, but it has passed already. Yeah. No. Anyway, just to finish that. Um, Sorry, no. Good yeah. So, so I, the Buddhist vows. If you want to do that in in the uh, outside Japan, it would be probably more meaningful. That's that's mm, just. Okay. Uh, what were the vows? That, that was kind of like my last. Uh, I mean, little... that's that's like taking the precepts um, and the the basic. It's like the Ten Commandments. You commit to the like the Ten Commandments in Christianity, or you know, all these uh, no killing, no, um, yeah, um, mm. unlawful conduct or whatever. I mean, all this. That's that's quite logical. I mean, mm. yeah. Mm. That's, but it it wasn't really. It, that's at that point, it wasn't really meaningful. Okay. Interesting. The, yeah. Like, uh, and the. Uh, I remember uh, Dorothy's mentioned that she has a, a, a Japanese Buddhist name as well, yeah. which is Enshin, uh, en right? Eshin, Eshin. Eshin, Eshin. Ah, Eshin. Yes, Eshin. Eshin. Does, does yes. that have a meaning? Um, not really. Um, I mean, the, it's the character for wisdom and the character for friendliness. So whatever Ooh. meaning you want to take out of that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's oh, written nice. with those two characters. Mm. Sounds 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 like exactly the journey we were talking about. That <laughs> part of. But I'm still far from wisdom, and then, then at least <laughs> to I might get a little bit more friendly by now, but but about <laughs> the wisdom, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I certainly feel like I've learned a lot, uh, Dorothy or or Eshin, as we now know. Um, Yeah, yeah, certainly, and but my mind's definitely been opened in a different way towards uh, Zen. I was saying to Mike before, like these Buddhism Zen, these are things that we've all had exposure to in some mm. way, but mm. have made no commitment to, at least on my part. So I have no idea really, mm. um, and it's very, very, I think, rare to be able to talk to somebody with as much knowledge as you and as open as you for this length of time about this topic. So I've definitely. Um, I learned a lot, had my mind opened. I was, I was wondering if you were to leave our audience, or even myself, with, uh, or even Mike, uh, with one thing that maybe, because you mentioned a lot of practices, but one thing that maybe we should consider. 
doing on a daily basis? Uh, what might that be? Wow, that's that's difficult. That's really difficult. I mean, really I can difficult. sit in front of a wall because um, I, I I know you like that activity a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and I I always come back to I mean not really about an activity itself but how you do something and mm. and for me really the most important aspect is the awareness aspect okay. that you don't um, miss out on something that is going on around you either as a chance for yourself or as an as um something that is. Um, where you can be helpful for something or somebody or yeah it's there are so many so many aspects that we have to mm. be um, watching nowadays um, yeah it's it's really uh, that's one aspect and I'm very much in favor of not wasting anything and that doesn't only mean wasting energy but that also means wasting time and wasting words and wasting yeah your strengths <clears throat> and your um, yeah what your body allows you to do um, so no waste mm -hmm. is a very wide concept and that is something that um, maybe it's also age related I don't know but that is something I think that is really necessary uh, it's all as something that anybody can be careful mm. of yeah Wasted. so awareness. being aware awareness really yeah awareness and um, not wasting things is something that you can quite easily do but if you put an effort into it then it can be quite a challenge also it's a mm. practice. It's a matter of practice. Yeah, I, I, I felt uh, I, I feel like I've been uh, rebooted again since uh, from, <laughs> uh, from the retreats. I think I was starting to go, so uh, it was a, a nice little uh, reset. Yeah. Well, you 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 knew a lot of those stories already, so. Uh. Mm. But it was good mm -hmm. to hear them again anyway. So, and uh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'm gonna, as soon as it's finished, I'm gonna do a quick meditation as well. Yeah, <laughs> just to, just to go over everything in my mind one more time. Okay. <laughs> hey, okay. And, and, and do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm inspired. I've, I, I think, I think when I go return to Japan for a little bit, we should um, go visit your retreat, uh, Dorothy. Um, yeah, both Mike and I. Sure. Yeah, I think. Well, uh, just, just, just to get a name again. Susaka. Susaka, yes. Susaka. Okay. Where are you at the moment if you are I'm... not in Japan? Oh, I'm in Colombia. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's, oh my goodness, that's so far. <laughs> <laughs> 14 hours time difference. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that that's also, you probably have a lot of awareness in the sense that you are living in a different culture from where you come from. And that makes mm. you, it, that makes you, I mean, that, that forces you to be aware of a lot of stuff. I, uh, I've, I've been told. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're referring to something different, but I'm, 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 I'm told I need to be more paranoid. I'm, I'm too relaxed out there. <laughs> <laughs> in Colombia, well. yeah, get myself into trouble. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. The, the contrast definitely did, um, uh. I guess, naturally highlight um, mm. aspects of, uh, mm. especially in relation to this conversation, assumptions that I, I, I had. 
and um, mm-hmm. was able to kind of confront them, I guess, which is yeah. part of what we've been talking about. Um, so, yeah, yeah, certainly living right. in other cultures does and mm-hmm. that aspect of travel, I guess that's related to Zen in some way. Um, yes, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Okay. So on that, okay. well, thanks moment. a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was a pleasure having you on, Dorothy. Um, yes, I, I thank you. Catch up with you again in Japan, especially, and um, talk yeah. more. Yeah, always, always a pleasure. As always, mm. like if you liked it, follow us if 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 you want to see more of this because and, and share it with your friends because this is the way that this podcast grows grows. It's extremely important, and we appreciate everyone that's listening. And so, on that note as well, uh, see see everyone next week in the next one. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Dorothy. Okay. Bye bye. Bye-bye.